0: what is up all my nexus family it is your host dr daniel Kimberly, and you are tuned into another episode of the nexus podcast on this week's episode of the podcast I'm going to keep it really simple. I want to talk about something that's come up multiple times over the last few weeks inside and outside my office. And the conversation is going to be all about autism and other sensory processing disorders. So in this episode, I'm going to talk specifically about what those sensory processing disorders are, why they happen, and also how they can be corrected naturally. No drugs, no supplements, simply by addressing the brain, your body's ultimate control system So kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Nexus Podcast, where we dive deep and talk about autism and other sensory processing disorders. Enjoy. All right, all right, all right. I have lots to talk about in this episode, so we're going to jump right into it. The first thing I just want to start off by talking about, if you have a kiddo with autism or you know a family with uh, children with autism specifically or other sensory processing disorders for that matter, we're going to kind of all lump them together for sake of our conversation, is the stress that the parents are under. Now, obviously, the kiddos need lots and lots of help, and that's a given, and there's a certain way that we can address the brain and get kiddos relief and sometimes completely um, get rid of this autism diagnosis or other sensory processing disorder diagnosis, but we'll jo- dive into that in just a second. The first thing I want to talk about is the stress. The stress that I see these parents under who are bringing their kids to me, stress that I see with parents who are having conversations to me with me, reaching out, asking, is there anything that you could do or anything that you know of to get my kid help, get my kid relief from the sensory processing disorders that they're experiencing? Because there are a number of things that happen. There's aggressive behavior. Sometimes there are tantrums or bad moods or good moods and high swings of emotions. And, you know, some of these kiddos can be very, very difficult. And it's not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just that the brain hasn't been addressed in a specific way because the brain has been so stressed out. And it prevents these kiddos from flourishing, from thriving, from living a life that every parent wants their kids to live. And so the question I have as we talk about this is like, the stress the parents are under is undeniable. The lack of sleep, the fights, the tantrums, the fusses, the not knowing what to do next, the not knowing which practitioner to trust because you've heard answers or explanations or maybe lack of explanations from many different practitioners and you know you don't want to give your kids drugs or you know you don't want to give your kids uh, certain supplements. So, like, the list goes on and on and on. How expensive it can be, all of these things put a such a stress and such a load on the parent. But the other problem that we see within this is that our future world is going to be different if we continue on the trajectory that we are on, specifically with kiddos who are diagnosed with sensory processing disorders. Now, from an economic perspective alone, we're not talking about the stress on the parents. I'm not talking about these kiddos needing care maybe long-term in their lives for some of them. What I want to talk about is just a strictly economic perspective. So, I was doing a little bit of research because I wanted to check it out and see. An average family who has one kiddo with some type of sensory processing disorder on average spends $60,000 per year more than a family with a kiddo without sensory processing disorders. That's four to six times higher. Than kiddos without autism or other sensory processing disorders. So what does this mean from an economic perspective? You know that's a stress on parents. But there's also this other thing to look at: is like, what is our future going to look like if we have all of these kiddos who are going to need long-term care? If it's costing parents sixty thousand dollars, what's it going to cost when you know taxpayers are footing the bill to help out some of these kiddos? And the really the thing that frustra- frustrates me about it, and the reality of it, is, is like a lot of these kiddos. A lot of these people who are diagnosed with autism and other sensory processing disorders can get help. It can be corrected. And it can be corrected by addressing the body's natural ability to want to express itself in the first place. And that's what I want to get into this episode. But I got to mention one more statistic because I think it's important to have a conversation about it. And that statistic is this, is that right now, 2020, in the United States of America, one in 34 boys will be diagnosed with autism. So that means if you have a classroom, Of 30 kids, likely one of those kids in the classroom is going to be diagnosed with autism. That's just on the boy side. On the girl side it's 1 in 144. So obviously our boys and they, these numbers keep going down and keep going down. So the ratio what we think is going to happen is by 2050 we're going to be looking at like 1 in 2 boys diagnosed with autism if we don't change something. The point of this episode is not to talk about where it's coming from. The point of the episode is to talk about regardless of where it's coming from, what can we do to set our kiddos up for success because there's nothing more that any parent wants than just seeing their kids flourish, seeing their kids thrive, seeing their kids not be prescribed to a bunch of medications, seeing their kids be able to play with other kids and not have to worry that there's going to be some kind of breakdown in communication or not have to worry that the other parents are going to wonder what's wrong with this kid or worried about the kid getting bullied or all the things that I used to see when I was teaching and it was stressful. It was stressful as a teacher. I can't imagine being a parent in those shoes, but what I can imagine and what I do know is that there is a solution to the problem and the, pro- and the problem is you know, the way we address the body and the solution is the way we address the body and understanding that your child's body is the best doctor. There's no better doctor than your own child's body. There's no better doctor than your own body because you were designed to be healed. You were designed to be healthy. Every single one of us were designed to be healthy from day one, from our very first breath of life, even before that, and I'm gonna walk you through how this plays out and how this goes down, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of insight on what I think we can do and the results that I've seen inside of my office, specifically with health and kiddos, with sensory processing disorders and autism spectrum disorder. And so before we jump into that though, I have to lay one thing out so we are clear on what we are talking about. There are four diagnostic criteria That are strong indicators. So what they say is that if kiddos have at least two of these four things that I'm going to lay out, so if they have two of them, then it is likely a very strong indicator that they can be diagnosed with autism or some other sensory processing disorder. So here are the four indicators. And so the first one is extreme attachment to patterns, routines, extreme attachment to patterns and routines or and or resistance to change in those routines and so we've seen this time and time again we just started a new mom one of the things she said she said when her kiddo was about eight months old she noticed that he really liked he was picky about lining up his toys in a very specific way and it caught her eye and she had never seen it with him before this is one of those patterns or routines and if you would try to break that routine and break up the pattern of him laying out his toys in a very certain way then he would flip like completely flip the switch Anger, aggression, screaming, crying, unconsolable, and this is one of those diagnostic criteria, diagnostic criteria is extreme attachment to patterns and or routines and the resistance to a change in those routines. I'll share some more of this when I get into the case studies here in a second. Next, so the second one. Is repetitive speech and/or movements. So repetitive speech and/or movements. So you know, one of the big things, one of the like stereotypical indicators, I guess, if you could say, would be um, kiddos who do like flapping or they repeat the same thing. There are a couple kids that I take care of, and they like me to ask. I like to ask me the same question over over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And you guys are probably seeing this as well. And that's just another one of these indicators. So again. The key is is that if a kiddo has two out of these four or more, then it's a very strong indicator that they have autism or some other sensory processing disorder. So the first one is extreme attachment to patterns and routines and they don't like for those routines to be broken. The second one is repetitive speech and or movements. The third one is intense and restrictive interest. And so we see this all the time is like, one of the biggest misconceptions about kiddos with sensory processing disorders is that they're not intelligent. That's actually not true. What I see a lot of times is kids have such intense interest, like they may be so interested in sea life that they know everything there is about every single sea animal, where they come from, where they live, what depth of the sea they live in, what kind of food they eat, all of these things, but they're not interested in anything else. So they're very restricted in what they're interested to. And there are a number of ways that this can play out. This can play out in an academic setting, which I saw a lot in the classroom with what my kiddos were interested in when I was teaching. It can also play out in different ways. So it may be an academic interest, but it could also be like texture of food kind of thing, or you know, being really, really interested in cars or something specific. So it doesn't have to just be something, something of knowledge base, it could be like food or textures of food or things like that. And it's these intense and restrictive interests that play a part in the brain, which we'll talk about here in just a second. The next one, and the last one is difficulty integrating sensory information. So these are things like eye contact, eye contact, um, shaking hands, being able to speak, things like that. So difficulty inter- integrating sensory information or strong seeking or avoiding behavior from sensory stimulus. So, you know, um, Again, we could go back to like flapping or things like that. And I'll talk about and I'll give some of these examples as we go through. So the four, again, the four criteria, again, if you have two out of the four, then this is a strong indicator that your kiddo has sensory processing disorder um, and or or autism. And so one, extreme attachment to patterns and routines and does not like to break those patterns or routines. Two is repetitive speech and movement. Three, intention restrictive behaviors. And then four is difficulty integrating sensory information or strong seeking behavior Um, And into sensory stimulus. So the question then becomes, if those are the four diagnostic criteria, why are they there? And this is where I get very frustrated and I also get very passionate about this topic is because the diagnosis of a sensory processing disorder or autism or any disease or any condition for that matter is nothing but a collection of symptoms. So we could look at any person and say, okay, yep, you have two of those four, so let's just diagnose you with sensory processing disorder. That's great, but it doesn't mean anything. The question is, why does the person have those symptoms in the first place? And there are very few practitioners that are asking this question. I think it's an important question to ask yourself is the people that you are seeing right now to take care of and give you answers for your children, are they asking the question or are they even giving you answers or explanations of why is this happening in your child? Why are these the symptoms? of this thing that we call autism or sensory processing disorders because I will tell you that from my experience most practitioners are not asking this question and I think it's huge and I think we drop the ball when we do not ask the question because we don't dive deep into the body we just try to provide a band-aid solution for a problem that can actually be corrected long term and never ever come back again and drugs are not the answer to that so I get super fired up about this and the question is why Are those four things that I just talked about diagnostic of or why are they indicators of autism or other sensory processing disorders? And the answer to the question is why are those symptoms present is because of this. It goes to the brain. Now, we have to be on the same page with one thing before I dive into the brain, and that thing is this, is that your brain controls every single function in your entire body. Your child's brain controls every single function in their entire body. As a matter of fact, when your child was just six weeks old, their nervous system was the first thing to develop, and it started guiding and developing the development of all of the rest of the systems in the body, all the muscles, all the organs, all the tissues, all the cells. Everything was guided by the nervous system, the brain, the spinal cord. If we don't have a brain and spinal cord, we do not have life. Life is not possible. And so if we have interference to the brain, the way the brain is talking to the body and the way the body is talking to the brain, the only choice is for the body to function inefficiently. And this functioning inefficiently is why the symptoms show up in the first place. And so here's what we see, is we see a bunch of things with kiddos who we would generally diagnose with sensory processing disorders. what I just say? Extreme attachment to patterns. Okay, well the question is, why would kiddos have extreme attachment to patterns and resistant to changing those patterns? And here is the answer to why. Because the right side of the brain, the side of the brain that is responsible for liking new and novel things, liking change, is the right side of the brain. If the right side of the brain is weak, Kiddos are not going to like new things. They are not going to like change. This is why extreme attachments to patterns happens with kiddos with sensory processing disorders because the right side of the brain is not functioning properly. It's not stimulated properly. It's just like if you broke your arm and you put your right arm in a cast, when you took your arm out of the cast, the muscles on that side are going to be weaker than the muscles on the left side because you have not used them. Same is true with the brain. If only the left side of the brain is getting stimulation, which by the way, stimulation to the brain comes from properly moving joints of the spine. So if joints of the spine are not moving well, we get less stimulation to the right side of the brain than we do to the left side of the brain. And that destimulation of the right side of the brain makes it weaker and it makes it stop functioning properly. And one of the things that we often see is kiddos who like patterns, they like routines, they do not like changing their routines is because the right side of the brain is weak. So if we dive a level deeper, who cares what the symptoms are? The question is, why are the symptoms there in the first place? And the symptoms are there in the first place because of the brain. Because the brain controls all. And when you understand the brain and you understand the sides of the brain and you understand how we can address the brain, we can start to make change in these kiddos. And this is why I see when I share these case studies with you, I see this time and time again change where parents are blown away by the results. And it's because we address the brain. We address their body's natural ability to heal. No drugs, no surgery, no radiation, no supplements, no OT, no PT, none of the stuff. We just address the brain, simply the brain. So the next one. We see kiddos who are nonverbal, who like, um, who have intense and restrictive interests, right? So kiddos who are nonverbal, same thing. Guess what the right side of the brain is responsible for? Nonverbal communication. Oftentimes, what do we see with kiddos with autism? They don't like to make eye contact. They don't like to talk to strangers. They may not like to talk at all. We see this often. It's because the right side of the brain is the nonverbal communication side of the brain. So if it is weak, then they don't pick up on those nonverbal cues and it seems like they don't understand conversations. However, they do. It's just that their brain has been understimulated. All the knowledge, all the skills are there. It's just that the right side of the brain is weaker than the left side of the brain. Next, we get into the right side of the brain being the cautious side of the brain and the avoidance side of the brain. So fear, anger, disgust. So if we have a weak right side brain, then one of the things that we're going to see is these strong, strong, strong emotions with certain things that kiddos don't like to do or do like to do. So when we talked about the attachment to patterns and routines, the snap where the kid freaks out and has a meltdown because they didn't get to do their pattern that day, is exactly the same thing that is caused by a weak right side of the brain because the brain is the cause. The brain is the cause. It's not not just a symptom. The collection of symptoms are there because of the brain, because the brain isn't communicating well with the rest of the body. The list could go on and on and on. We talk about digestion. The right side of the brain also turns off the immune system. So a lot of times we'll see kiddos who simultaneously, they have sensory processing disorders, but they also have digestive issues. They also have skin issues. They also have immune issues. Maybe they have allergies. It's because the right side of the brain turns off the immune system. So if the right side of the brain is weak, it can't turn off the immune system. And so what does the immune system do? Overreact to everything, including digestion. And then the last one, and there are many, many more. I'm just kind of giving you a big picture overview of this. The last one is emotions and empathy. So the right side of the brain is responsible for regulating and controlling emotions and empathy, being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So when we see kiddos with right brain weakness, when we see kiddos who are diagnosed in a traditional allopathic model with autism or other sensory processing disorders, oftentimes what we'll see is these kiddos have strong emotions, right? Kiddos who are lashing out, who have anger issues, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason that those are there is because the right side of the brain, again, is weak and it can't control or regulate the emotions and provide a kid with empathy the way it could if that right side of the brain was stimulated well. So the question is, what do you do? Now that you know this, what do you do? Well, the answer is very simple. We know that in the 1980s, a guy named Roger Sperry discovered that 90% of the stimulation and nutrition to the brain comes from movement of the joints of the spine. I'm going to add one word into this. It's proper movement of the joints of the spine. So the only way to know if the joints of the spine aren't moving well is to have your kid checked. And if you haven't had your kid's nervous system checked, then you have no idea if this exists or not. You can't just look at them and say, well, I think they're fine. Now, I think it's moving fine. The only way to do it is to know is to see a chiropractor who has a neurological base who can actually address the brain and try to figure out what's going on with the kiddo and the best plan of action for them. So that's key right there is figuring out a practitioner who's not just going to look at a collection of symptoms and prescribe something, but actually look at the cause and address the cause, which is the brain, not a drug imbalance or any other thing like that. So let's get into some case studies real quick. I was taking care of a boy, 16-year-old, uh, very, very low-functioning autism. And one of the things that he had is he had this pattern where every Tuesday he would go to a specific restaurant, he would order the same food, and one day he went in and he ordered his regular meal and they were out of the meal that he was going to order from this restaurant. Now, typically parents told me like he would have had a complete meltdown. It would have been like coming home from school for the day, probably not being able to do anything for a day or two after because it messed up his routine so bad. So after he's with us for about two months, mom and dad come in and they tell me the story. They're like, listen, our kiddo went to school today. He didn't get to get the food that he normally gets from this restaurant and he was fine. Like he didn't snap at all. And the teachers were like, uh, we've never seen him like this before. What's going on? The reason that this happens it's because we changed the attachment to the patterns. We woke up the right side of the brain through the way that we were adjusting him with the chiropractic care that we provide here in our office. Then when we woke up that right side of the brain, guess what happened? That attachment to the patterns and the routines went away because we can create new connections within the brain. We can turn off certain things within the brain and we can create new connections. And I'll talk about that here in just a second. Same thing, this same kiddo used to come into our office always wearing earplugs, always wearing earplugs. Now the question would be, well, why does he always wear earplugs? Guess what? If you look at one of the four criteria, one of them is difficulty integrating sensory information. So if things are too loud and overwhelming, the earplugs drown that stuff out. And guess what? There was a strong seeking or avoiding behavior. He was trying to avoid the stimulus because it was overstimulating to the nervous system. The brain couldn't process it and it couldn't process it so it would make him angry. So instead of, his only way to deal with it was to put in earplugs. So a couple months into care, I noticed one day, I'm like, oh man, this is not wearing earplugs in the office I and mean, that's pretty interesting. Next visit, same thing, still not wearing earplugs. Comes in next visit, still not wearing earplugs. And I asked mom and dad and they're like, yeah, we really don't know. He just decided that he doesn't actually need to wear earplugs anymore. And he stopped, completely stopped wearing them. Same exact thing. We did nothing for him, but provide a stimulus to his brain and start to strengthen the right side of the brain so that these things that used to be difficult and challenging that he was avoiding now no longer need to be avoided because the brain processes information differently. So this is just one example. So that was a 16-year-old boy. Same thing, taking care of a -a two-and-a-half-year-old boy. One of the things that mom was really uh, concerned about when she first brought him into me was this lining toys up in a row, um, being able to sit still, obviously huge tantrums, eye contact, and then language as well. So there was a lot of stuff going on with him. So I just got a report back. They took her kiddo out to dinner for the first time in a long time with some friends, and their friends are like, uh, Your son sat still for a whole hour and didn't throw a tantrum. What's going on? He's never done that before. Chiropractic care. We wake up the brain, we get rid of the repetitive movements we get rid of the attachment to patterns and routines. We, Because we wake up the brain, we strengthen and create new patterns where the brain can process information differently and these things naturally go away on their own. Because of the chiropractic care we provide and the way the body is designed to heal itself, as we wake up the brain, the body heals itself at a better level, creates new connections, and these things start to dissipate. Same thing. Mom comes in, she tells me, for the first time in my son's life, he's two and a half years old, he's stringing together full sentences. Never seen him do that before. Normally it's just one word and she's he's looking at me in the eyes and he's stringing together full sentences. This is because of the exact same thing that we just talked about because as we upgrade the brain as we start to bring it to a new level these things start to happen we start to strengthen the right side of the brain and this list could go on and on with this kiddo um, less you know better emotions like the coolest thing is having him come in at the end of an adjustment and say bye dr daniel and look me in the eyes he used to never do that when he first started care And then lastly, I'll just share one more repetitive um, case study with you. So this this kiddo that we're still taking care of, um, he used to come in and he'd love to hear his shoes walk on the floor. So he would literally like walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, never stopping, never sitting down because... He loved the sensation of his shoes, hearing his shoes walk on the floor in our office. Now, it's interesting because this is one of those things is seeking sensory stimulus. It was a sensory stimulus to him that actually helped keep him calm and keep him regulated. The problem was it drove mom crazy. It drove everyone else crazy. And so through adjustments, through waking up the brain, through strengthening that right side of the brain, that need for the sensory stimulus dissipates, and the body and the brain start to function better, and these things naturally go away. Now, here's the question. The question is, is like, why does this happen? And the reason that this happens is because we can change the connections that the brain has. We know that the brain is plastic regardless of age. Again, I'm going to say that one more time. Regardless of age, the younger, it's a little bit easier to do, but regardless of age, the brain can constantly take create new connections. So there's this book called Disconnected Kids. It's d- written by Dr. Malilo. Robert Malilo is his name. Uh, he's a neurologist. And I'm going to share with you what he says in his book, because I think it's very telling about why we get the results we do with our kiddos. And there are obviously others. I just shared three of my favorites. And so here's what Dr. Melillo says in his book, Disconnected Kids. He says at one time, scientists believe that the brain cannot change or correct an errant growth pattern, which is what autism is or sensory processing disorders. It's just an errant growth pattern within the brain over the last several decades. Neuroscientists have found that the brain is actually quite plastic, meaning that it has the ability to both physically and chemically change if given the proper stimulation, i.e., chiropractic adjustments. We have seen through brain imaging scans that given the proper stimulation, the weak side of the brain will actually get larger and faster. Spaces between cells will get smaller and new connections will grow. As a result, the new connections And the weak side of the brain can reconnect with more mature cells on the functioning side and get back in rhythm. So for kiddos with sensory processing disorders with autism, one of the things that we can do is start to strengthen the weak side of the brain. There's a very specific set of neurological tests that go into figuring out which side is the weak side of the brain. Every kid presents differently. And so it's important to note that your kiddo can still be diagnosed with autism and, ha- and not have such a weak right side of the brain that I explained in this episode. The point is, is the qu- and the question I have for you is, have you had your kid checked? And if you haven't, then the question is, Are you willing to try something different or maybe take a risk? Maybe you didn't even know chiropractic care could help kiddos with autism, but you've heard about it and just didn't believe it. All the science, all the research, all the case studies are there. I'm happy to post the study with you. Uh, It's a review of literature that has like 15 studies in it. I'll share that in the show notes. But the main thing is this, is that autism and other sensory processing disorders are nothing but a diagnosis. It's just a collection of symptoms. And until we address the cause, which is the brain, you'll never get the results that you want. You'll never have the lack of stress as a parent that you're looking for. And your child may be stuck not being as productive as it could. And I see this all the time. I see kids break their patterns. I see them change. I see them grow. I see them develop. I see them thrive in a world of insanity where everybody's trying to give answers that are just the wrong answers, trying to put a band-aid on a problem that could actually be fixed. So I'm gonna leave you with that, my friends. I love you. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you have questions, please reach out to me. All of my contact info is in the show notes. I would love to have a conversation with you. If you're interested in learning more, you want to schedule a consult with us, you can go to nexusfamilychiropractic.com and all of our info is there. You can uh, request an appointment directly online. Again, it's so important. It's so crucial. The, our future depends on getting help for more of these families, for more of these kiddos, from an economic perspective, from a productivity perspective. And this is what we're all about is creating healthier, more aware, more connected community right here in Dana Point, California. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. We'll come at you live again next week. Peace.